What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Athlete Journal podcast. I am here today with this podcast's first international, I guess, interviewee, um, Sarah Yeka. She is a star soccer player coming to us all the way from France. So first of all, thank you so much for taking the time for this, um, especially since there's a nine-hour time difference. So I know it's getting into your evening, but I really appreciate it. And welcome on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Before we begin, just a quick word from our partner, Unbeknownst Co. Unbeknownst Co. is a small woman-owned business operating out of Portland, Oregon. They make really cool, unique handmade goods and jewelry and art prints. Guys, absolutely check it out. I absolutely love her products. Emma, the business owner, is just a super awesome boss lady, so great business to support. As you know, Athlete Journal podcast listeners get 15% off using the promo code AJP15. So go ahead to our website and check out the products, www.unbeknownstco.com. You can also see the featured products of the month on the Athlete Journal podcast Instagram page, which is the underscore athlete underscore journal. Yeah. So we were chatting a little bit before this and, um, you know, I know a little bit about your story, but just kind of really excited to share with everyone your experience because you have played soccer in many different countries, grew up in Canada, and um, we'll talk about your experience with uh, the Canadian national team, but then also played soccer at the University of Michigan. And then now you play for Le Havre in France, um, but then you also played in Germany before that, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, first of all, so amazing that you've had all this international experience and then also, I'm sure the soccer has been a little bit different depending on where you've been too. So um, it's really, really cool that you have this diverse perspective. Uh, but I first want to start kind of going all the way back in time because obviously a lot of kids might grow up dreaming to become a professional at their sport, but it, it doesn't happen for many people. So when you were growing up, you also started running track and yeah, you said right. you were... Um, would you say like 13 or so when you kind of yeah. were getting serious about both track and soccer? So talk a little bit about that and then how you ultimately decided to kind of choose soccer as your sport. Um, so the first sport I ever did was soccer. I started playing soccer around the age of six. Mm-hmm. And honestly, talking to my parents about it, um, soccer just seemed like the most natural option because number one in like at least in Canada like everyone has played soccer at least once in their life it's so easy to sign up and it's like not expensive and mm-hmm. and also my parents are both from Uganda in Africa and um in Africa in general it's like the most popular sport so it made mm-hmm. the most sense and even though my mom ran track um and she eventually wanted me to start doing track but it didn't really make sense as like a six-year-old to run start running track right I don't think I would have had the discipline at that age <laughs> Um, but soccer just seemed like the most natural choice. And I remember my dad coming home. I don't know why I have this vivid memory, but Mm -hmm. I remember my dad coming home. He had this like slip of paper in his hand and he's like, he said to me and my sister, who's a year younger than me, I signed you both up for soccer and we both started crying. I have no idea why. Um, but then I remember, um, I have this picture somewhere. If I could find it, I'll definitely show it to you, but 
it's like me stepping out of the house like right before my first game and I'm like Mm -hmm. really small in my small like purple uniform and I love that picture because like I don't know it's just like adorable and it's just like I look back at it and it's like you have no idea where the sport is going to take you um and so I continued on and I my parents had I'm so lucky because they were never like the helicopter like super insane type of parents they're super chill Mm -hmm. and I just happened to like love the sport and be really passionate about it my dad and I my sister we'd wake up early Saturday mornings like around like 8 a.m 9 a.m just to watch like Premier League professional games in England on TV Mm -hmm. and uh I that's when I like really started to fall in love with the sport and as I got older I happened to be pretty decent I guess I would say no kidding um and then I remember there was like a certain age and a certain point where I realized that I think it was like around I was like around 11 Mm -hmm. when I realized that where I could go with soccer in terms of like number one playing for the national team Mm -hmm. and number two um playing for a a big university in the U.S. Mm Um, the only reason why I knew the, about the option of like playing like division one NCAA was because my mom, because she went to the university of Alabama. And ever Mm -hmm. since I was young, like I just, my mom always had Bama games on, on TV for football, obviously, because they're amazing. Yeah. Um, even (laughs) though go blue, but like roll tide, like, (laughs) um, and I, my, I remember I was also obsessed with like this so random, but I remember being obsessed with Zoe 101. Yeah. And I was like begging my mom, like, can I go to boarding school? Please, please, please. And she's like, that's basically college. Just wait till college. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what I need to do. (laughs) And so I kind of like combined, like, okay, I can't wait to go to college specifically in the U S and also play like the highest level of like my sport Mm -hmm. in college. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I always wanted to go to a big school because of my mom, because like she still to this day just has that pride of like, yeah, I went to Alabama and it's the best school ever. So I wanted that wherever I chose to go to school. Mm -hmm. And so from a young age, I've had like these goals, which was like one, make the national team. Number two, get a scholarship to a D1 school, a big D1 school specifically. And three, hopefully play professionally at my Mm -hmm. sport after I was done with school. Mm -hmm. and I'm lucky enough to say I've accomplished all three (laughs) (laughs) um and that's something that I along the way there's been like ups and downs but even though like soccer it didn't necessarily it wasn't always my path but it was the most dominant force in my life growing up Mm -hmm. so I was very dominant with soccer um getting back to your question but at a certain age, like around the age of 13, my mom decided to sign me up for track. Mm-hmm. And I did track in middle school. Um, and it was like, not the most competitive. I mean, it was competitive enough, but like, yeah. I was like blowing kids out of the water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> As was, middle school goes a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. And I remember I specifically signed up for a track club at the age around the age of 13 like 12 13 and that's Mm -hmm. when I my first season was an indoor season and I did extremely well um 
I ran the 400 and the 800. Okay. And my times were like really good. Like to the point where like, I'm pretty sure I still have like an Ontario record for like U13 girls for 400 meters. It was like <laughs> Wild. 58 something. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Like I was, and I remember that race so well because I was running against like 15 year olds at a time. Yeah. And some of those 15 year olds like ended up going on to like represent Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, they were fast. And I was like, I didn't win that race, but it was the fastest I've ever ran. Right. And, and then I did an outdoor season two and I did pretty well as well. I went to nationals and I was younger, but I ended up getting like third or something in 800 or I don't know. No big deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was weird, but there was like a clear path where I was like, I, if I focus in this too, I could also do really well because yeah. I was competing against people and doing well against people who actually eventually ended up running for Canada at the youth levels, at least. Um, right. And that was what my mom wanted me to do. She wanted me to do track because that's what she knew best. Um, mm-hmm. And she knew that with track, the difference, the biggest difference between track and soccer is the fact that like, obviously like individual sport versus team sport, but at the same right. time, with track it's very objective like Mm -hmm. you make the time you're faster than someone no one can take that away from you right Right. whereas soccer is very much like in the eye of the beholder so it's like Mm -hmm. whatever your coach is some decisions you would think are so obvious but people go a different route you may think you're better than someone else but someone may disagree right and so my mom was like she she knew it's it's like there's a lot of potential for a lot of politics within soccer or any team sport where there's any sort of like judging and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so whereas like track it's like you beat someone you beat someone that's it end of discussion right so my mom didn't want me to have to deal with that and I've been pretty lucky throughout most of my life especially at a younger age where I didn't have to deal with politics a lot of coaches like I guess agreed simultaneously that I was like pretty good yeah and um I made a lot of teams in the sense of uh, there was a pathway, I guess at the time it's changed now, but there was like a kind of direct pipeline Mm -hmm. to get from like the local clubs for soccer straight to like the national team. Mm -hmm. And so it it kind of starts at 11 where you're kind of scouted for like your local district. Okay. Um, and you make that team. So I was like 11 years old. I made that team. Mm -hmm. And then when you're 12, you make a regional team. So it's like the province of Ontario was split up into about I think seven regions and my region is like one of the most populated so therefore like the competition is higher to make this team Mm -hmm. but I made that team and then when I was 14 I I was 13 turning 14 this year Mm -hmm. um I we had to try out for the provincial team now it's like all the best players in the province are trying to like be cut down to like a squad of like I don't know 18 20 girls Mm -hmm. And then you do provincials for like from your 14 to 16. And then 16 is when you start trying out for the U17 national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when like things start to like go forward. And then after U17 is U20s and then U20s is the senior women's team. Right. Which is also the Olympic team as well. Right. Um, and so when I was 13 trying out for the provincial team, that was when things started to get really serious for soccer. And that's when I kind of had to make a choice because I didn't have the time 
to do both anymore. Mm-hmm. It was too time consuming. It was also too exhausting. It, my schedules did not work out at all. Yeah, absolutely. But like I would have a meet, but I would also have training or mm-hmm. I had game and it just like, it didn't make sense. Right. So I basically right. like left it up to fate. And I was like, okay, if I make this provincial team, I'm going to stick with soccer. If I don't, I'm going to stick with track. Mm-hmm. And I felt like at that time, I felt like those were both pretty good options. Like, regardless of what happened, um, right. I would have been, I felt like, you know, it wouldn't have been out of the world if I didn't make the team or if it yeah. wouldn't have been out of the world if I did make the team. So it was like, there was no losing like option there for me. So um, luckily I did make the team and that's when like things started to like really take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped doing track, which was like to some of the local people, like in the track world there, not that I was like a huge star or anything, but a lot of people were like disappointed. Like, what is she doing? She has so much potential, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you know, and even my mom was like, she wasn't disappointed. I wouldn't say she was disappointed. She just like was a little skeptical because she knew that, you know, as you get higher and higher, there's potentially more politics involved. Right. And she was more so worried for me than disappointed. But at the end of the day, like one thing I'm really happy about is that my parents like respect my decision within like sports, like no matter what I choose, if I decided tomorrow, if I wanted to quit, they'd support me. They wouldn't Mm -hmm. question it. Um, They would make sure I was okay. And that's it. And so that's one thing I'm really happy about because in soccer, there are a lot of crazy parents at a young age. Yeah, I am aware of that. (laughs) Yeah. And like, in, like I told you, because soccer is such a sport where it's like, everyone has different opinions. Right. Like it's very much like, oh, my kid's the best. They should be playing this or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, "Mm, I disagree, but you know, let's leave it up to the coach. Right. Right. (laughs) Try to like sweet talk coaches and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's horrendous. I'm sure it's crazy everywhere, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was very lucky to have very chill parents and, um, they supported me no matter what. And I guess like things, yeah, things started to take off after, um, yeah, I made that provincial team. And that's when I really started to focus in on what I wanted within soccer, because my general goals, like I mentioned before, was like, go to D1 school, play professionally, mm-hmm. um, represent Canada. And I kind of also applied that to track too, at the time, mm-hmm. because if I, I also knew at the back of my mind, if I were to continue in track, I could still have those same goals. Right. Um, but then at this point, it's like, okay, fully switched over to soccer. Yeah. And so, yeah, it like consumed me like every day. <laughs> like, I'm sure like, I don't know. I feel like this is, this might be like a universal experience. Um, this is like me when I was like, like when you're in high school or like when you're younger, before you're like truly an adult, like your whole existence revolves around your sport yeah like your personality is your sport yeah like you and that was very much me at that age and it was a good thing at the time but as I got older (laughs) I realized it's not um but I was like obsessed with like everything about soccer I'd be constantly watching soccer breathing soccer thinking about it like Mm -hmm. if it didn't help me for soccer like why would I do it like yeah I would very engrossed in it because I had these goals that were within reach. I love that story. I also think it's just so cool that when you did get to the point where you had to make a decision, 
you know, you kind of said, just like let fate kind of see what happens. And I think a lot of people, sometimes when they do come to big decisions, they like, and I'm one of those people sometimes just like, like pros and cons list and stressing over it and like trying to almost force it. But Mm -hmm. you just kind of had an open mind. You're like, this is just going to be what will be. And I'm just going to kind of put everything on the table and just see how it works out. And so I think that approach is honestly, probably like better. And obviously it's really worked out for you. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that your mom obviously had some concerns with like the politics of soccer and um, having that maybe be a more uh, difficult road to reaching your goals, um, which makes sense. Cause in the track world, she was so successful. Cause she, does she still have the Alabama records in the 800 and 1500? She might, I'm not yeah. exactly sure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we can look that up later. Yeah. But, like, and then she, she was might. also an Olympian. Yeah. She so might. she obviously knows, you know, what it takes to kind of reach those goals that you wanted on the track yeah. side of things. So, yes. um, it's really cool that your parents were just as supportive when you decided the soccer path and you're kind of carving your own way, but kind of still had like, no matter what, at the end of the day, they're going to be there for you. Yeah. Um, and I do think when you're saying how, at, you know, when you did choose soccer, it kind of consumed you, as you said, at some point that does get difficult. And I do want to talk to you about the times where, you know, you found that, um, maybe that wasn't the best approach in order to like, have like a balance and be your best self and best player. But I do think that's what it takes to kind of get to the next level. Like you mm-hmm. have to like have that drive and that passion for it and mm-hmm. put in all those hours to be able to, you know, make that jump to the national team. So um, I guess first my question is, you know, once you kind of, you said you made the, was it the provincial team? That's yeah. What it's called? Yeah. So um, it's kind of like equivalent of like a state team, I guess. Right. Yeah. And then at age 16, that was your uh, debut for Team Canada, correct? Yes, that's true. So talk about that. And was it really surreal that you, I mean, at so young, you basically checked off one of your huge goals for life of being able to put on that Canadian national team jersey? Yeah, it was, even looking back, it's still crazy to this day. Um, personally, I think it was a little too soon, but I'll explain. <laughs> um, okay. So basically a lot happened between 14 and 16 in terms of like being with the provincial team. I got exposed to a lot of different um, like coaches who were already with the national team. Like Mm -hmm. for example, my U14 coach for the provincial team, he was also the U17 coach for Canada. So making that team was huge, not only because like I made the provincial team, but because like I know for a fact, like he chose me and he's also a coach for Canada. So he likes me as a player mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Right. And that that's like a good thing, like moving forward. Cause like, I don't just want to be, be like here. I have higher aspirations. Mm-hmm. And so we, so every year with the provincial team, you play against the other provinces at nationals at the end of the year in like May or no, more like the summer actually. But, um, and because Ontario is generally the strongest, we like won, Mm -hmm. which was really nice. But during those tournaments, you're playing against the other, the best players in the country essentially. And the national team coaches are watching you. Mm -hmm. And so after the one, when we were 14, there was like a sort of like small camp for like national team camp for 
girls who were 15. So we were 15 at the time. So that was all of our first like national team camps. That was our first, you know, taste of, you know, um, experiencing what it was like to represent Canada. We didn't play anyone, but it was sort of like for the coaches, it was sort of like a identification camp, like just to like start calling in players, start identifying players who could potentially be on the U17 team. Mm. And then uh, I was still with Ontario. After that was like a really good experience. Um, met some people who I'm still really close with to this day. Some people who I still play with to this day, actually, for Canada. Oh, wow. Over there. Um, and uh, I still started doing, still did Ontario stuff. And then the next, I think I was 16 at this point now. And it was my last nationals because 16 is the last age you're like representing Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, I was the captain of the team at the time and I played the game. We won in the finals against Quebec. It was a hard fought game. They're like our rivals. Mm-hmm. And we knew that the U17 coach was watching who was a new coach from the one that I had when I was 14 because okay. a new coach got hired who is coincidentally actually the national, the head national team coach currently. Oh, um, yeah. So at the time she got hired to be the U17 coach and she was watching. And I remember after the game, like it was like the medal ceremony or whatever, my provincial coach came up to me and he was like, so Bev is her name. Like she really liked you. Um, and she wants you to go with the U20s like to Denmark next week to play. And I'm like, what? What a quick like, turnaround. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, wait, hold on a second. So I was like going to play like three, four years up with older girls um, who are already so experienced. Um, and I was flying to Denmark in a week. I, it was like also crazy to me. I was like, wait, that's that's insane. Like, I couldn't believe it. And I remember like being so excited, telling my dad, telling like my family and my mom and everyone and my sister. And it, this was like, you know, even though I had that like small little like U15 campus, this was like a real Canada opportunity because we were playing against competition. I was flying overseas. Like it was like the real deal. I was so excited. Absolutely. It was like, we're going to be my first real game if I played and stuff like that. And I remember being like, to my dad like I'll just be so happy if I step on the field just like for one minute like I do not care Mm -hmm. but I exceeded my expectations there they had like so much belief in me already which was crazy to me um and they like I started one game I played a lot in another and I was just like whoa like this is I was not expecting that I was expecting just you know mostly be on the bench and just watching and experiencing but they like threw me into it and Mm -hmm. I was really ex- like it was exciting but it was also very nerve-wracking because like it was crazy and then I also not even a few months later um not even a, like a, a less than a month later like I was had to fly to Vancouver and I'm from Toronto mind you so that's like you know all the way across the country mm-hmm. um and we had an actual like U17 camp. So this is like the first official one with a new coach. Mm-hmm. And this is like my age group, my actual age group. And so mm-hmm. um, I did well there. And that was like, because I ex- what I experienced with the older girls, um, I felt more comfortable and more sure of myself that I can do well. Cause I'm, I'm very, I like to say that I'm a very uh, realistic person with like a slight tendency to be a little bit pessimistic. 
So <laughs> I'm not the most like um, confident in myself sometimes. And it usually takes really? a lot of people to uh, bring it out of me. Like okay. I'm very like, when I was younger, I was very much like, if I make a mistake, like I'm thinking about it the whole day, the whole yeah. week. And it took a lot for me to get over that. But anyways, um, but I felt confident just knowing that, okay, these coaches believe that I could play with older girls. These coaches believe that I'm good enough to be here. Then I should act like it. So, um, and I should play like it, not necessarily act like it, but play like it. Right. Um, and so I did. And then the head coach of the senior national team at that time was watching. And then he decided to bring me in for a senior national team camp when I was 16 and it was crazy like when I got that call because I literally could not believe it because I was like one I didn't think I was that good like okay maybe for my own age group but like for the senior women's team like that's crazy number two I was playing like I would be playing and training and being teammates with people that I watched play on the national team on tv like growing up which is insane Mm -hmm. like actual legends and then number three like they just came back this was like 2013 and in 2012 they got a bronze medal at the olympics and i was like whoa like he thinks like i'm good enough to be on a team with people who are like olympic medalists that's insane at this age yeah and i showed up and it was so funny looking back now because there were other younger people on the team, but when I mean by younger, like I was definitely the youngest at that time, mm-hmm. but, uh, there were girls who were like, uh, three, four years older than me that I kind of knew already that were on the team, but they couldn't, um, they couldn't be there at those camps. Cause this was like October. So they were like mid middle of their NCAA seasons. Okay. So I showed up to that camp basically kind of alone. And I was with like these like adult women. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, I don't even know how, it, looking back, like I have no idea how I survived that first camp. Like it was crazy. Like, I, I can't believe like they, some girls even talked to me. Like I was going to say, like, I was say just, a word the whole time. Yeah, no, I did. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I would have to ask. I like, I feel like I would have to ask like, how, what was your first impression of me? <laughs> um, but I it was crazy because like these are girls I've seen on tv these are girls that I literally like not even a few months ago like within the last year I went to go see them play at a stadium as a fan and now I'm like teammates with them like it was just an insane jump and yeah and so fast too yeah it was really fast and I I knew it was always a goal of mine but I never expected it to happen that quickly I was like okay maybe when I'm like 20 something right when I'm 16 and I think I'm not the youngest to have ever played for Canada, but like, I'm definitely like, I want to say at least top five or six. I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Cause there were some girls who got, who got, who played when they were like 16 or I mean, earlier 16 or, or um, 15, like mm-hmm. later 15. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. like it was crazy. Um, but then luckily the next camp, another, a really good friend of mine, her name is Jesse Fleming and she's like insane. One of the best mm-hmm. players in the world now. Yeah. Um, and actually really fun, like fact, she was also a runner too. And she could have been insane at running, really? but she decided to take a soccer. Like she was like a more like long distance type of girl. Like, mm-hmm. I think she would have done somewhere between like three and 5,000 meters, maybe. 
um but insane runner like so good but um she also got called in at a young age she was younger than me so she was like 15 at the time okay and luckily we both had each other during these experiences and um yeah for a long time uh yeah we were both like consistently being called in on the team and the first few like games camps all that stuff it was great because I was kind of like very in the moment Mm -hmm. very um you know taking it one day at a time because it was also surreal in me I was just having fun yeah but then it got to a point because I was we were leading up into the 2015 world cup and it was a home world cup so Canada was hosting big deal to host um and we wanted to do very well obviously right and that's when the pressure really started to set in and not pressure from external forces but pressure from myself mm-hmm. and this is what I mean when I say like I might have been brought into the team too soon because I was not equipped mentally at that time in my life to handle that being there because yeah. I was very much in my head in the beginning, I was very confident. I was excited. It was, I was all happy. But then when I started to think about like the actual goals we had, like we were going to a world cup, we're playing against the best players in the world. And these are players that I watched on TV that I idolized and stuff like that. People right. like Megan Rapino, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, you know, like actual legends, um, Alex Morgan, you know? And so it's just like, I was getting in my head and I was like, holy shit, I'm not good enough to deal with that. I'm not good enough yet to to do this like I I need to be better I need to be better I need to be better and it got so bad to a point where I I was almost like too scared to step on a field to to play because if I didn't play I can't make a mistake Mm -hmm. and therefore like nothing can be said right nothing negative could be said and I got into such a bad headspace that I wasn't myself I wasn't playing like myself and and therefore I wasn't happy and this is like another thing when I was saying how you know the soccer sort of consuming me as a person Mm -hmm. this was like a time in my life where I would have liked to have had balance but I don't know how I could have at such a young age because I was still in high school and I was at this point um there was like a, a point in like early 2015 where I had to move away from home and we've all the way to Vancouver and it was like me and Jesse um my friend like we were in these apartments downtown Vancouver by ourselves you're we like underage That's um crazy. and like the girls were in the buildings but like they were off doing their own thing like they would right. go out on the weekends like we were too young to do that like yeah. um they would have fun and you know stuff like that and they had obviously like they they figured out they know themselves like they knew what to do but like it was, I don't know, it was so weird for me. And looking back, I wish I kind of enjoyed that experience more because it was actually kind of, it was pretty sick, but yeah, I was so in my head and I was so stressed out about everything every time we had training and I didn't perform well, obviously. Mm-hmm. When you get in your head like that, you, you can't, it's hard to. Right. When you're so worried about every little mistake that you'd make. And so eventually I was sort of like, essentially cut from the team but not like, oh, we're never going to deal with you again, cut. Like, it was just that my coach, he, like, saw what was going through me internally. Yeah. 
And he said, you know, this is something that you need to work on. And because like, we have faith in you, but if you don't have faith in you and you can't perform, then it's not going to help anyone. Right. And so that was like the first time I really realized that like a sort of, I guess, unhealthy relationship with my sport, because that was a time in my life where I realized that if I'm soccer is not going well, I'm not doing well personally. Mm -hmm. And, um, it honestly didn't take me until college to sort of really fully realize that I need other aspects of my life. Yeah. Because, because I was so young and I couldn't really do things and I was away from, I was isolated from all my friends and soccer takes up your whole day. Like I couldn't really, I didn't really have time to do other things. And yeah, you know, we'd go cause Vancouver's beautiful. Like sometimes we'd walk around the city, we'd shop, like go hiking in the mountains or something. And yeah, that's nice, but it's not like a full, you know, I don't know. I still felt like soccer was still at the back of my mind, like, and how bad I did at training that day or something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it took a lot to sort of find myself. And like I said, like it, it took me till college really mm-hmm. to sort of find a balance because college, oh my God, there's so many ups and downs, <laughs> as you know, as everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> I, it really, I felt like the athletic community, like in the sense of like all the friends that I made, not even Mm -hmm. like in my team, but outside my team and like the weekends were things that I really looked forward to. And I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. and when soccer wasn't going well. And I know that like, I don't know if I can say this, but like, I know that I had like jug Sundays at the end of the week. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it made you realize that it's at the end of the day, as much as you want to do well, and as much as you want to succeed in what you're doing, because you have goals, like if you make a mistake, if you have a bad week, if you have a bad game, bad training at the end of the day, it's trivial. And like, it shouldn't dictate your happiness. Right. And you should be able to brush it off, not take yourself too seriously, not take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And still move on with your day move on with your life and do something whatever you need to do to take your mind off of it mine was hanging out with friends going out with friends Mm -hmm. and not to the point where it was like crazy but like right just about it it like it, it gave me a sense of joy and it gave me like there's other things in my life that I enjoy and it's like being around people that I love being around so I'm gonna enjoy that and not think about soccer when it's like not good yeah. And I don't know, as a teenager, I didn't have that. So, right. So I felt like, I don't know. And also another thing is when I was younger, my, one of my biggest fears was like peaking too early, mm-hmm. which I kind of like joke that like I peaked at 17 <laughs> to my <laughs> friends. Um, but, and like, that was another fear at the back of my mind. Like I'm here now. I don't want to ruin this opportunity. I don't want to be the person that, oh, was only on the team when they're 17 and they became crappy after um and so and then when it kind of well I don't want to say well it kind of did happen but like obviously I've sort of like found my way back in a sense but yeah um I was like distraught because I was exactly what I didn't want but it was almost like I I feel like I almost I don't want to say self-sabotage but it kind of felt like that in a sense but it was only because I wasn't well equipped enough to deal with stress, to deal with pressure. 
Right. Um, especially internal pressure. So yeah. um, I learned a lot since then. And I am a way different person than I was then compared to now. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad for it. And as much as I, there was a, there was a point in my life where I looked back at those experiences with regret. Mm-hmm. But now I look back and I don't have regret. I only have like fondness really. And um, fondness in the sense of like the experiences I had, because at the end of the day, they were amazing experiences. Like I got to experience something at such a young age that a lot of people don't. Right. And and a lot of people strive towards and never achieve. And then also um, it shaped me to who I am today and what I know about myself and how I am as a player. Mm-hmm. And those are something, those are things that are valuable at the end of the day, because if someone who never faced adversity and then they face it later in their career, they're going to go through that later and that might, might not be better. Right. Um, I feel like it's better to face it in, like earlier in career, in your career, as it shapes you, as you're growing, as you're learning, as mm-hmm. you're getting older, as you're maturing compared Absolutely. to like when you're older. So right. like also in between being with the senior women's team, I was also with my age group at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I also went to the U-17 World Cup in 2014. <laughs> I went to the, at the, in the same year, I went to two World Cups in the same year, U-17 World Cup in 2014 when I was mm-hmm. 17, and then U-20 World Cup in 2014 as well. It was in the summer, and I was also still 17, but I also played that year. Okay. Um, so I did two Youth World Cups in one year at 17, and then... 2014 and then leading into 2015 I was mostly with the senior women's team because we were preparing for the FIFA Women's World Cup gotcha in the summer okay yeah so like in between when things started to get a little more difficult yeah exactly exactly because when I was in my own age group I never felt that pressure I never felt that anxiety that dread Mm -hmm. of like you know being on the field playing stuff like that but when I was with the senior women's team I was like thinking of all the superstars in the world that I would have to play against and I'm like I don't know if I'm ready for that right I need to be better most 16 year olds are worried about like passing their driver's test or you know their upcoming physics exam and you're suddenly with like not even with your peers you're with the best players in the world so I can imagine that that pressure is a lot um, yeah. But I'm happy that, like you said, describing your journey and fi- eventually finding that balance and having a healthy approach to it and kind of getting your confidence back, because um, it sounds like you did find that like a little bit in college. And so I'm curious to kind of hear more about your experience playing at Michigan and then also mm-hmm. how you continued to stay connected with the Canadian national teams and then ultimately what led to playing professional soccer um, overseas, which you're doing currently. Yeah. Um, so Michigan was, well, I have to, it was bumpy, but, um, overall, when people ask me if I loved it, I loved it. I for sure, like Michigan's an amazing school all around, like academically, socially, athletically, everything, total package school, loved it. Um, it also helped that I was like close to home. Like it was only a four hour drive. Mm -hmm. I also have family in Windsor. So it was easy for like my family to see me. Like it wasn't like expensive. Like they didn't have Mm -hmm. to like get a hotel or anything. They could just stay with my family in Windsor and just come over. It was nice. A lot of very, very, it was nice, especially when I needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I wouldn't consider myself a homebody like at all, but 
when I needed it, it was nice that it was available. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but when I came in, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I'm, well, I'm going to just assume that (laughs) every freshman feels this way because when they're recruiting you, they like totally seduce you in the sense of like, you know, how your experience is going to be, how you're going to do your first year, stuff like that. And I had kind of high expectations and not that I did bad my freshman year, because I mean, I still did really well, but it wasn't what I expected. And Mm -hmm. therefore I was very disappointed my first semester. And I remember calling my other friends at other schools being like, I want to transfer. I'm so upset. Mm -hmm. My coach said I'd do this, but I didn't. And not that I, I don't know, not that I had a sense of entitlement. At least I don't think I did. I mean, I might've come off that way. I'm not sure, but um, I just thought that I wanted to do more. And when I didn't do more, it was disappointing because, especially because I left, I still had aspirations to be with a national team. Mm-hmm. and um and to continue forward and I remember it was right before the following year was supposed to be the Rio Olympics and they told me they want me to be ready for that mm-hmm. and so I came in sort of I guess I was a little bit of a hardo <laughs> <laughs> and um and and I know now like as a senior or like someone who was older like it's a little off-putting when a freshman acts like that but I was like coming from such a high level environment being with Canada and I knew what I wanted and I wasn't necessarily getting that mm-hmm. with Michigan because people there as talented as everyone was like I feel like everyone in school has different goals yes um and some people's goals might be to play professionally play for the national team whatever some people's goal is just to get through it. <laughs> Some people's goals were, let me see if I can get like a good internship, you know, like, you know, school academically, like that was their goal. Like mm-hmm. I want to go to med school. I want to, you know, get a good job, good in- internship, you know, for me, like mine was definitely soccer. Like, right. not that I didn't care about school, but like at the end of this, what I wanted out of this experience was definitely like to grow myself um, athletically. Right. That was pretty much my number one priority. Um, And when I realized that that was not everyone's priority, mostly because like our coach wasn't the greatest um, for like the first half of me being at Michigan because we had a coaching change eventually. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of people and it's sad because I've seen this every year, like freshman year, everyone's invested. But then as they get older, they're kind of like. Mm, I don't really care as much anymore and we're just trying to get through this and it's kind of sad and disheartening to see and and it kind of affects you a little bit because um I don't know it's contagious it it is contagious it is very contagious like when the team is more excited about jug Sundays in the actual game than we have on Sunday then you know (laughs) yeah there is a disconnect there (laughs) yeah it's it's a huge disconnect and um yeah that first semester for me even though I didn't do that bad on paper like I still got like one of like you know big 10 freshman not freshman of the year but like it was like the like best 11 I was like one mm-hmm. of the best defenders the freshman of the year so I did pretty good but it wasn't as well as I would have liked um and and it also the college game is very different from the international 
it's yeah. a different way of playing I had to adjust a lot mm-hmm. um but I learned a lot from it though eventually but anyways um it I remember being like pretty miserable because still like my athletic like happiness and my happiness within soccer was still tied to my happiness within um my life Mm -hmm. right even though I knew what happened before just months before with like the Canadian national team and everything I went through with that I thought it would be a different environment and I thought I'd learn but I really didn't because at that point I still didn't really have anything to like hold on to things to look on to you know something to make me look forward to things if soccer wasn't going right Mm -hmm. but then I remember when our season ended because our season ended disappointingly early and this is the point of the season where like everyone just goes out yeah go to football games um like we can finally do game days like because we're a fall sport and Mm -hmm. um and we just I don't know just really bonded with the team more and that's and then I remember then and even in the spring semester that's when I really started to be like I'm loving it here (laughs) like and that's when I started to find my balance starting to find started to find like I guess like what I realized then after then was my social life is so important to me Mm -hmm. like so important to me and if I can't have a social life while I'm playing at least and this soccer goes wrong I'm not gonna have like an outlet I'm not gonna have something different and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for me right so I feel like college introduced that to me um like in the sense of yeah like obviously like you're focusing on school but you're not using school as an outlet I mean at least not me no person is like (laughs) I hope anything is a stressor yeah but um but like for me like the the social aspect of Michigan is what I love the most and I felt like for everyone especially within the athletic community no matter how bad you had a game or a practice or you're not agreeing with your coach for some decisions you're playing or not like everyone came together at the end of the week and we all had fun and I that's mm-hmm. what I loved and it was something to look forward to through the highs and the lows really right um and that was always consistent and so um yeah so my first semester was a little disappointing because it didn't match up to expectations but then I also realized that it also was a learning tool for me because it's like not to not have high expectations but at the same time like you're going to something that's unknown yes so as much as you have may have high expectations sometimes expectations are not met right that's okay it's not the end of the friggin' world I literally wanted to transfer that semester (laughs) like my first semester there I was talking to my other friends I'm like do you have room at your school do you have scholarship (laughs) money can I go um but that's just you know I don't know I just feel like it's going to happen in life, whether it's a job, whether it's a city you move to, something, anything really, a relationship, like you're going to have certain expectations, yes, but expectations may not be met. And it's how you deal with that and how you adjust mm-hmm. that matters. Um, and so with college, yeah, things were, things were, things were pretty decent. Like um, I, I didn't do overall, I didn't do as well in college, like soccer specifically as much as I would have liked, but I still had a pretty good experience. I'd still like to think that I had a pretty positive impact on the team. Like I played a lot of games, like 
I started a lot of my games in my career. So that's like a good sign. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so when my sophomore year, heading into my sophomore year, I took the semester off because I was called to play with the U20 national team again. But instead of being 17, I was 19. So it was like Mm -hmm. my age group. But unfortunately, I had a negative experience with that. Um, And usually with Canada, it's all super positive because like, we're all close. We all know each other. The coaches are always super nice and supportive. Like being with Canada is like one of the best teams I've ever been with in my life. Probably the best team I've ever been in my life, really. I don't think I can do better. Like in terms of like support, um, positivity from players, like the camaraderie, it's like just such a, it's the best team environment possible. Mm -hmm. And so um but unfortunately with my u20 experience we had a different coach from when i previously did u20s when i was 17 so it the first u20 experience i had was in 2014 and um the second one i had was in 2016 mm-hmm. and so we had a different coach and i knew who this coach was he's um but he's his first time being a head coach and he kind of like messed it all up he was not a very good head coach and mm. a lot of us who were on that team had very negative experiences of that tournament we did so bad he like kind of benched me mm-hmm. um that tournament and I was like one of the most experienced players on, on the team yeah and it was very disappointing and I remember being so angry about it and to this day it kind of riles me up still mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because he set a lot of us on like a downward trajectory if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. um like for example he was also in charge of all the younger players who were on the senior team so aka me and I never got an opportunity to be on the Rio Olympic team because this coach did not feel that I was doing well he did not feel that I was um I guess like good enough to be there Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that at the time, even though as much I would have loved to, because they ended up winning a bronze medal. And as much as I was very happy for all my friends, like, obviously you'd want to be on that team. You're right. Um, and especially when they told you that, like, we want you to be there. We think you can. Right. Um, Cause like, I wouldn't strive for something that I don't think was in reach, but it was. And right. unfortunately it didn't, I, it did not work for me at that time. And so I, um, I guess like I headed into that, um, the U20 tournament in 2016, took the semester off, like with the mindset of like, you know, this is my opportunity to like be back in the good graces of the senior national team again Mm -hmm. and to show that I've grown and I'm a better player, but he didn't play me at all. And he, he, I don't know, he was doing these weird mind game things with like everyone. It was just a disaster. Gross. It was like the worst Canada's ever done at like a, like a youth tournament. Like we were like second last to like, Oh wow. Like, yeah. It was bad. It was so bad. Um, like genuinely embarrassing because like we are like one of the top teams in the world. So it was oh, just yeah. like, and it was such a contrast between like the last U20 cycle I did with this one, because like the last one was very positive. A lot of those girls are on the senior team right now. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at my age, like the next cycle, like a lot of the girls who are on that team, like aren't even playing anymore. And I feel like it's a direct correlation to him as a coach. Mm, that's unfortunate. So yeah, it was very disappointing. I remember coming back like in the spring to Michigan and I ran out of energy. I was drained emotionally. 
I had no desire to do anything. I wasn't focused. I had no drive, no passion, nothing. I just felt nothing for soccer at that time. I remember coming in in the spring and like, you're supposed to, we come in and we do a fitness test like immediately so that we can get ready for the spring season, which is our off season. So a lot of like fitness essentially. Mm-hmm. I did not do anything. And I knew it was coming. I knew the fitness test was coming, but I did not care because mm-hmm. I just was so emotionally drained and I failed it. I passed it a week later, yeah. <laughs> but- um, What was your fitness I, test? Um, the beep test essentially. Oh, the beep test. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic beep test. Um. And yeah, I literally failed it, but like, I did not care. Cause I was just so emotionally drained. Like I literally did not care at all at that point in my life because I was just so angry with what happened. Mm-hmm. And obviously I got over it. And then, you know, as the semester went on, things were good. You know, I got my balance back in my life, my friends. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see all my friends again. Cause I was gone for a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happened next? I guess another big thing that I had to deal with actually was, um, my senior year, not my senior year. Um, that's a lie. My fifth year, mm-hmm. my super senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a coaching change at Michigan, my senior year. So I think this was 2015. No, no, sorry. That's a lie. I was uh, 2015. I came into school 2019. Um, and so we had a coaching change, which was much needed because our last coach, um, our team did not like him and he wasn't doing enough for us as a team. And so the change needed to happen. And Mm -hmm. I think the school did a good choice of hiring a new coach. She came from USC and uh, they, at that time, they recently won a national championship. So she has like, you know, championship experience, which is something Mm -hmm. that we've never haven't done at that time in a very long time um, as a school in our program specifically I really liked her. I really liked the way she coached. Like I agreed with everything she said. I was a big fan and she coached me my regular senior year and heading into my fifth year, I was really excited because I thought I would have like more responsibility as a leader on the team. And, um, and I was looking forward to that season because it would kind of be like my last season to jump my jumpstart me into playing professionally. Right. And at this point in my career, like at Michigan, at like around this time, my fifth year, I hadn't had any contact at all from Canada. They hadn't talked to me ever, ever since I la- left that U20 tournament when I was like really pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, all right, I guess that's it. I kind of like had in my head, like, I don't know if I'll ever play for Canada again. Um, and there was a lot of like, you know, disappointment because like, you know, there were still a lot of things that I would like to accomplish. Um, I felt like I hadn't really fully reached my potential. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I was still so young and immature in certain ways. And I felt like I grew a lot, but um, I don't know. It's just hard to get an opportunity again sometimes. And so I was like, all right, let me just focus on playing professionally and if I do well professionally like after my fifth year focus on playing professionally if I do well then hopefully I'll get called back into the national team again Mm -hmm. so that was kind of like my plan but unfortunately during my fifth year my coach decided to like not play me a lot Mm -hmm. and she decided to completely change my position which like I'm a defender but she Mm -hmm. put me as a forward oh 
um, which was really strange to me. I, I, I don't know. It, it was very disappointing and I was very upset by the decision-making, but looking back, like I understand why she did it, but it was just the lack of communication as to why she did certain things and lack of communication to me because the the players that she decided to start over me in my position were younger and I think she was really focusing on trying to build the team moving forward like you know after I left Mm -hmm. which ended up working in her favor because those players ended up winning the um big 10 championship this past season which was Mm -hmm. amazing and they all deserve it Mm -hmm. but it and so she I won't say that she made the wrong decision as a coach but I just felt very no matter how I look at it and even though I understand I still felt very like shafted and yeah and um and it kind of like you know derailed me a lot because it's like that I was considering entering in the NWSL draft, which is like the professional women's soccer league in the U S and you're not going to get drafted if you can't even play for your college team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? As a senior. Right. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess my decision is made for me. If I can't even play in college, like I can't even play for my team, then how am I going to play professionally? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like the lack of communication. Like, I don't, I don't know if she knew that I wanted to play professionally, like, because I feel like, I would like to think that she would have helped me more, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. And I kind of like ended the season on a really sour note, even though we did pretty well that season. Like it was very disappointing personally. And I kind of literally at the end of the season, I was kind of like, I'm done. Like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I want to go through this again. Like I've just been like through kind of like a long string of disappointments Mm -hmm. and like I didn't play in my my age 20 tournament with Canada I didn't play in my senior year of like my fifth year not even senior year fifth year of college and I kind of was like is this them all telling me that like I'm not that good Mm-hmm. like maybe it's maybe it actually maybe I'm just like being overconfident maybe I'm really not that good of a player um maybe I should listen to the signs because it's been like two different coaches over a span of you know two three years so it's like okay I'm probably not going to do this and I realized at that point in my life I kind of had this um thing where I I accepted everything that happened with Canada and I was I that was when I decided I'm happy with all the experiences I've had and if my career were to end right then and there I would be okay with it mm-hmm. and so I kind of decided that for myself and um I actually was looking full-time to move to New York and find a job oh wow um and right when the pandemic happened everything stopped like that's when like jobs were like okay we're not hiring because we have no idea what this is and um no one knew what was going on the world was ending as far as we knew whatever it felt like that (laughs) yeah it really did and I remember I was in Ann Arbor the whole time um I didn't go I didn't go home when it first happened and I was like pretty much alone in Ann Arbor (laughs) um in my house because all my roommates they they all like went home and stuff and I, I couldn't really go home because it was like really complicated situation with like um, 
my lease and I knew if I left I couldn't come back right so it was like I had to like figure it all out so I yeah. basically stayed in an offer for like a like till like I don't know May or something and I was there and I was you know kind of figuring things out but then as soon as I went home I remember going home and that's when the world started to like open up kind of slowly again around like towards the summer and I remember watching soccer come back and just like sitting down and watching soccer again and even not even just like the professional men but also professional women's soccer which at that point because all my friends were who my older friends like they were playing professionally because they're no longer in college I was watching them and the people that I played with and I was like I think I could still do this like I know I can and sort of like me being out of the environment of Michigan where um I was surrounded by people well I don't know I just felt like after having such a negative experience in my fifth year and not a lot of people uh, on my team is changing now but before when I first came in not a lot of people wanted to play professionally but now people do like the culture mm-hmm. is changing mm-hmm. where we have like further aspirations to do more with our careers in soccer but um I felt like I was like such I was stuck in a bubble where like people didn't really want to and they're like oh I'm done I'm not playing again like as if that was like a crazy you know suggestion but once I got out of that with other people like and I started to like you know sort of find my passion again that I really did and that's when I decided you know I think I will regret it if I don't at least try to play professionally Mm -hmm. Cause I talked to some people, people who decided not to, and they said they wish they did for at least a year. Yeah. And so I kind of like, after doing nothing, and I mean, literally nothing for months, because like when the, I was going regularly to the gym, but like the gym's closed and everything it was too right. cold to run outside. I literally did nothing for months and I kind of just started being lazy. And then I would, then I remember when I decided, I remember talking to my dad. Cause I remember telling him, I don't think I want to play like at the end of the season, but then I can't, I remember talking to him in my backyard being like, I think I, I think I want to play. Like, I think I'm going to continue on with soccer. And he's like, okay. And I had to get fit, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> like it was from going from literally nothing to like just running a simple 5k. I couldn't even do it. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> um, but like, I, it was, it was, I'm glad that I got that passion back. And I honestly say to people, like, if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't be playing here. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here right now. Wow. And so I, yeah, like, because of not that COVID was ever a good thing, but because of COVID, because the world stopped, I felt mm-hmm. like I had a chance to catch up, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I did that. I'm very lucky because one of my best friends, her dad is an agent in soccer. And so I reached out to him and he helped me find the team. And then that's when I went to Germany and Germany was really, it was a cool, interesting experience in the sense that um, it's one of the best leagues in the world. Germans women's soccer is like very up there. Um, a lot of good players. Unfortunately, um, my coach was psycho. Oh um, my team wasn't the greatest and their lockdowns were crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a bad concoction of things. Um, but um, I don't look at me going there with regret, though. Um, 
because there's like another thing to like add to like my experience of like adversity you know what I mean Absolutely. like yeah and unfortunately because my coach was crazy he didn't necessarily think I was a good player either so it was kind of like at this point now it was kind of like a string of like three bad coaches and not bad coaches in a row but like three coaches in a row who didn't necessarily believe in me mm-hmm. and even though I um like even though I had like a little bit of like I can do this I know I can do this then here comes another coach for who was like mm, I don't think you can and so yeah. I was like okay maybe I am delusional maybe I should stop and I was like okay at least I tried I lived in Europe I can say that that's fine and I remember talking to my agent and I was like you know if we can find another team that's great but if not I'm honestly okay with that like I will start looking to like apply to grad school or something or a job or whatever people do (laughs) um and and then I got this last minute opportunity to like play in France and um I remember I have a lot of friends who play in France and I asked them like what's the reputation of the team blah 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 because like if I asked if I knew people in Germany and I asked them the reputation of the team, they would not tell me good things. Mm-hmm. And so now that I know that, I was like, okay, well, people in France, please let me know what's the reputation of the good things. And I looked it up. Like I'm only two hours away from Paris. So like, if I want, I can like leave, I can do things. I won't feel so isolated. It's a mm-hmm. cute town. We have a beach, even though it's like the North of France, it's not like the South. So it's like cold, but yeah. it's still nice um and I was like honestly and it was weird because there was a part of me that actually did not want to go and it took one of my best friends to tell me like sorry you'd be an idiot if you don't take this opportunity Mm -hmm. because I was worried it was going to be like Germany again which was like pretty negative and isolating and um I was scared it was going to be a bad experience and then I was like you know what like I'll go I literally don't have anything else to do I have nothing better else to do And so, and if it's a bad experience, I can just come home when I want. Mm -hmm. And so luckily it's been great. Um, And then shockingly, I got called up to the national team again, which I, at this point, like this, this happened in November. At this point, it was completely written out of my mind. Like I didn't come here. Like when I went to Germany, I had the intention of like, I want to play well so I can get on the national team again. But then I kind of was like, okay, maybe that's unrealistic. And that's fine. That mm-hmm. was my thought process. But now I came here and I was just like, I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to have fun. I just want a cool experience. I just want to live in France. And and then I all of a sudden out of nowhere, I got called back to the national team. And that was super shocking um, and almost surreal because it's like I had it written out of my mind for so long at that point, like since like since I was at Michigan. I was like, that's probably never going to happen. And the fact that it did and hopefully is still continuing to happen is absolutely insane. And I'm happy. And it's the same coach that saw me way back. The one who told me that she wanted me to go to Denmark with the 20s. It's the exact same coach. No way. Full circle. So it really is. And it's insane how the highs and the lows that I've had and hopefully like and I'm at a point now in my life where it's like I'm happy I have the opportunity again and I hope it works out for the best I hope I get to achieve all the goals that I initially wanted for myself which would to be like 
you know, playing a like a full women's world cup, like the mm-hmm. real, the real deal. And then also like to be an Olympian would be absolutely amazing. Cause my mom was one. And I've ever since I realized what that meant at a young age, I knew I wanted to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I've matured so much now that I won't put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve these goals. Take one day at a time. And even if these goals don't happen, like it's not going to be the end of the world for me. And I still have so much to be proud about and so much to be happy about with what I've accomplished. Like being here on its own is still amazing. And especially since like the Canadian women's national team, they just recently got gold at the Olympics. Like, yeah, the, the expectations are higher, even higher than it was when I was 16, Mm -hmm. but I'm not letting that pressure get to me. And I have more confidence myself because I know that the coaches have confidence in me and this is mm-hmm. something that they've expressed to me and it makes me feel good because I haven't had that in so long. Yeah. And it makes me feel like, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not delusional of thinking that I can do it. Like I know I can. Yeah. And whether or not that's a different question, but I know that I can, like, I have, I have belief in myself and that's mm-hmm. all that matters. And Most it may be enough and it may not be enough because you never know. Um, there's no guarantee in life, but I know that I put my all into everything that I do and I can always be happy with that no matter what the outcome is. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's just like, honestly, like insane. Just like thinking about, I don't know. It's just funny how life is. It really is. And right when I think, oh, it's over for me, an opportunity literally comes out of nowhere. Like I literally got an Instagram DM from one of the coaches being like, hey, can you are you available can I can I call you and I'm like what (laughs) no way on Instagram yeah it's it's like it was yeah it was funny because like they didn't they had my old number like my old Canadian number that I don't even use anymore and they Uh didn't have my email so that's the only way they could contact me well thank goodness for Instagram then (laughs) I know um that's kind of like where I'm at right now and the goal my now like goal now is because before it was so funny because like I remember talking to a friend of mine before that like before that call being like oh yeah like you know we'll see how like long I'll play professionally here like I just want to have like a really good experience playing in Europe and then we'll see you know I was like already thinking of like you know post-soccer plans like grad school like or working or coaching or something but then this happens and now like my brain is like in a different trajectory. Now I have like these like tangible goals that I want to reach again. And it feels mm-hmm. nice having that because for a lot of my life, it was kind of like very go with the flow um, in terms of like decision-making. Like for example, like coming to France was literally like, I had like a week notice before I was on a plane, like packed wow. up and gone. And same with Germany, to be honest. And those were pretty much like last minute decisions. Like me deciding, oh, I want to play again like, you know, like things like that. So I just felt like making those sort of like in the moment decisions have helped me, have like led me back to where I want to be, where I've always wanted to be at a young age. And um, even though this is not the path I would have wanted for myself, I'm glad it happened because I've learned so much from all the negatives in my life and in my career and to be where I'm at now and hopefully it'll only go up from here so can't get any lower than it was at certain points but (laughs) um yeah it's like really exciting because like I'm back with 
all my best friends who are on the national team who have like been there the whole time ever since we were younger mm-hmm. but it's exciting to get another opportunity and to know that it's within reach again so yeah Absolutely. that's kind of like yeah that's pretty much my story right now that's awesome well thank you yeah. so much for sharing your story I also feel like the things that you went through is just so um it's almost like a metaphor for life like you can you just like do all the right things and sometimes things don't work out but then like you said some some way somehow you kind of found your way back to soccer and um after not forcing it and now you have an opportunity to you know try to reach your original goal so um I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will be following you now um, and cheering for you, um, not as a pressure thing, but just you seem like an awesome person and your story is super inspiring. I didn't know you before this, but I am a huge fan now. And oh my gosh, um, <laughs> yeah, you seem really cool. Maybe one day we'll meet in person if you're ever back in the States. I would love to. Thank you so much and best of luck. I'm really, really excited for you. Oh, thank you. By the way, um, I just wanted to say like in in terms of like what you're saying about like a metaphor for life I really really truly believe that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and I've kind of like let that guide me through especially like the hardest times especially when I was so consumed in soccer when I was like oh if I don't make this team it's gonna be the end of the world for me and that was the only thing that like I kept on clinging on to like everything happens for a reason and it may not be what you think it is Mm -hmm. but I don't know that's what I that's what I clung on to and it's led me here and hopefully it works out the way that I want (laughs) yeah yeah I like that I I feel the same way so I'm happy that you know that sort of approach has it's, it's done you well, but also without, not without challenges. So yeah. Oh, for sure. It even almost sweeter because, you know, if you do end up making that world cup or Olympic team, just now, at least from my perspective, knowing everything that it took to get there, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. And if you don't also everything that you've been through and done and accomplished is just incredible. So definitely have so much to be proud of. Exactly. So, well, thank you so much again for joining me and I'm excited to keep following you, um, not just as an athlete, but as a person. So I hope we stay in touch. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Athlete Journal podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. 